was going to sing Old Lang Syne, but I can't because I don't know the words. Yeah, I don't either. Yeah. But it's almost New Year's. It's almost New Year's. Wow. And what a year. What a year it was. Are we recording or are we just reflecting in, in the moment? I don't know. Ryan, are, are you, we rolling? What do you feel I guess like? this is how we're starting. Yeah. It's a fitting end to, uh, to 2018. We are truly dragging ourselves across the finish line of 2018. Who isn't? I feel fucking wrung out in every way. Yeah. I just want to go, pause for a few days, and then come back to a world that's going to be exactly the same. So I don't know. I mean, this is, I don't know. I'm just doing an army crawl over the finish line. Yeah. Uh, but we all are. Yeah. Like Steve Carell and Welcome to Marwin. Probably. Oh. I, what it, I, I couldn't tell you what it's about. Yeah. I know you get, uh, you get like uh, Janelle Monet as a doll of some kind. Oh, yeah. That part's appealing. That could be interesting. Anyway. Uh, folks, we hope your 2018 uh, was good. Uh, it was world historically awful, sure. um, but I hope it was personally good. Um, and uh, let's get into this interview. With uh, with Andy Fleming. Yes, enjoy. We're back with Andy Fleming. Hello. Hi. Hello. How are you, guys? Doing We're great. Very happy that you're here. I'm happy to be here. You're working a Fred Perry kind of a soccer hooligan thing. Yeah, that's me, Fred Perry soccer hooligan. <laughs> uh-huh. There's a Fred Perry store in Brighton, England that. Uh, I did a lot of damage in recently. Yeah. Oh, nice. We look great. Thanks. <laughs> um, as people will see in the photos. So we thought we would just do like maybe one hour on the craft, and then I have about an hour's worth of questions about threesome, and then we can get into more mm-hmm. like okay. I'm just kidding. That sounds good. Um, <laughs> Although, really, we could talk threesome all day. For Pivotal. sure. Till the cows in, come In home. any sense of the word. Yes, yeah. we could. Um it, well, that was truly a, I mean, a, that was, that movie shaped me in a big way. Both of them did actually, uh, in high school, but, um, it was, was threesome partially autobiographical for you? Partially autobiographical kind of sums it up. It, it's, uh, as though all of those things happened, but in different places at different times with different people. Uh-huh. So if it were a book, you'd call it a novel that's very autobiographical, mm-hmm. but it didn't happen exactly like that. But pe- people I went to college with said, that's me, isn't it? <laughs> and sometimes more than one person would say, that's me. And they were both right. So yeah. it's complicated. That's what you do. Yeah. You take pieces of everybody. That, by the way, is a great soundtrack. Oh, yeah. It's, it it's one of my favorites. It's it, so, it's a really well done soundtrack. New Star? Yes. Beautiful. Yeah, I, for, I forget what's on that. Uh, uh, Dancing Barefoot? Dancing Barefoot. Yeah, yeah, that's really good. Uh, I'll Take You There? I'll Take You There. I, I wanted to use the original, and we could not get the rights. Yeah. Though we tried and tried and tried. And then the music supervisor, Ralph Sell, said, let's record our own. And I thought, that's never going to work. But then yeah. it really did work. Yeah. And that song became a thing. It was a hit. It was actually, this is how long ago this movie was, it was the the song that Bill Clinton played at rallies <laughs> wow. when he was finishing up, uh, when he was running for president yeah. the first time. Holy cow. It's the also, it's not on our, Apple. Our recording, I mean. I mean. He was a threesome fan, I'm sure. <laughs> yes. Um, well, anyway. <laughs> I, uh, I it, the, the soundtrack is not on Apple Music, and so I got the CD, and 
played it in my boyfriend's car and it's still in there and it's the only thing that's like prominent in his car so every single person who gets in is like threesome soundtrack wow that's uh-huh. interesting but it's awesome it's so there's good. jellyfish come on you really did it yeah uh, so what are you watching now like what are you when you have time to yourself if that's a thing um I don't have a lot of time but I have been what this year I mean killing Eve oh, yeah so um, good like everybody else, I got really hooked into this Mexican reality show made in Mexico. Tell <laughs> what us is everything. that? It's basically a reality show about pretty young people who probably have too much money and spare time, but live in Mexico City. Um, I don't know why. I just uh, I, I dove headlong into that because actually I think because I love Mexico City. I've been there recently. It's a very hip town it kind of feels like new york in the 80s it's artsy and hip and there's great food and it's fun and it reminded me of going there and 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 if i get hooked into some reality show i just can't stop watching it but um what else i'm the kind of guy that i don't i'll pick a movie or a TV show or something and watch it 10 times over obsessively and it has nothing to do with what anybody else is watching or doing. Yeah. Like what else? What is an Andy Fleming special? I became obsessed with this movie that I saw when I was a kid that I remember seeing on TV because my mother said, that's a good movie. But it's called Rachel Rachel. It was directed by Paul Newman. It starred his wife, Joanne Woodward. Mm-hmm. And... Um, it's a really beautiful, strange little movie. Kind of an, an indie movie before indie movies happened. It was late 60s. And it's kind of about her just being this lonely woman and her fantasy life. And it kind of um, is a precursor to things like Up the Sandbox and movies like that that are about you know feminist um, isolation and mm. what goes on in people's heads and seeing their fantasies. It's, I don't know. I'm going into a spiral, <laughs> but it's a, it's a beautifully, beautifully made movie that was received really badly, but then people loved it and it ended up winning a couple of Academy Awards and nobody ever has heard it or seen it, but I'm obsessed with Joanne Woodward. I think she's just one of the greatest actresses ever. Do you um, know what movie you have seen the most number of times other than one of your own? <laughs> Believe me, I don't spend well, a lot of time watching you, my movies. I'm assuming you have to watch yours over and over again. No, I like, when they're done. Well, you, you have to watch them over and over when yeah. you're making them, you know, a hundred times That's at least. Yeah. And then when it's done, you just don't want to see it. But um, I, I, I was doing this, I was at this dinner party with, among other people, Dolly Parton <laughs> recently. Oh, wow. And um, the host, this man, Sam Haskell, asked everybody to name the movie that was most important to them that mm-hmm. changed their lives. And it was there were a lot of people there. So it was kind of a public speaking kind of a thing with 18 people, you know, all yeah, saying yeah. what it was going to be like. So it was like, oh, you have to give a speech. And I was dreading it. But there had been this inter- Instagram meme, which is named the 10 movies that matter the most yes. to you. And yeah. I was kind of offended because nobody ever asked me to do it. Nobody ever challenged yeah. me to it. But I was waiting for somebody to, so I kept compiling a list in my head of the movies that mean the most, so that have changed me the most. And um, it was a very pretentious list and included, you know, obscure Russian films that you've 
never heard of. Yeah. And rightfully so. And some some movies that you would have heard of, like, um, uh, uh, Who's Afraid of Richard DeWolf or 2001 A Space Odyssey or After Hours or things like that. It's a very weird list. But the movie that I was obsessed with the most when I was a kid, and it still just slays me, is The Sound of Music. I just yeah. turned into, a, like, a little gay boy when that movie's on and I'm just uh, uh, it's but it was also I realized it was this thing of music and movies at the same time yeah and that was a powerful thing and I've uh, things like threesome and the craft are scripts I wrote listening to music um, and then those songs become important sometimes in the soundtrack I like I listen to the Smiths how soon is now five million times while I was writing the craft. Mm -hmm. And then we ended up doing a cover of it and it ended up, you know, being very emblematic of the movie. But um, the two things, music and movies are so, I, I still to this day will have some song that gets me into the headspace of the thing that I'm writing. Where were and, you the first time you heard How Soon Is Now, the original? I'll tell you exactly where I was. It was in... Uh, dorm room at Weinstein Hall. Oh, I at, lived in Weinstein. You did? Yes. What? Oh my God, that's crazy. Yeah. Um, I lived there for four years. That's how sad I am. Wow. Um, yeah, it was very much the freshman dorm. So yes, not many people could. But I got freshman. a hook up on a good room. Oh, nice. Um, but I was in uh, somebody's dorm room. The the dorm room of a guy named PJ Petit from Shreveport, Louisiana, uh -huh. and he had a twelve inch of it. And just played it super loud, and I was—I knew who the Smiths were, and I, I was really a fan. But that just blew my mind, and stuck in my head. And it was the song that I kept thinking, like, that's the headspace for the craft. I listened to that a lot. But um, yeah, getting back to this dinner party, what was Dolly's movie? Yeah, what was Dolly's movie? Um, oh crap! It's a movie because she's well. She the the moral of her story is. They didn't have money to see movies when she sure. was a kid. Oh, sure. In fact, they didn't even um, have a TV until she was on TV on the Porter Wagner show, and she had enough money to buy her family a TV. And that kind of slayed everybody else's well, story. Of course, yeah. But there's a movie, oh, what is the name of the movie, about where she's from, and I am going to kill myself because I can't remember what it is, but I have. Anyway. Well, Dolly, if you're listening. Let us know on Twitter. <laughs> um, but you asked why was I having, uh, where was I at a dinner party with Dolly Parton? Because sure. I just did this thing, which is exciting, which I'm just going to tell you about. Please. Um, is that she has a show on Netflix. She's producing a show on Netflix, an okay. anthology um, of eight episodes, and each episode is based on a different song of mm -hmm. hers. And I got to direct the one based on Jolene. Stop. Seriously. It. Seriously. That is the assignment of a lifetime. I know, I know. I, I had met with these producers, these lovely people, including Sam Haskell and this guy, Sean Smith, and uh, these people. Not, I didn't meet with Dolly at first. And I, they just told me about this series, and I said, I'm a huge fan. And they said, what's your favorite song? And I said, I love Jolene. I also love this song called Me and Little Andy, which is a oh, very God. weird, oh, wow. crazy song. People don't believe you when you say, like, when you tell them about that song. Yeah. And then they hear it. Yeah. You've heard it. No. Okay. Do you want to? I'm not going to sing it. <laughs> no. But it's, but, I mean... but it's basically, it's a song about, that she wrote about 
a, a, a woman is in a house by herself in the middle of a raging storm and a little girl, a local girl knocks on her door and says, asks for, she says, ain't you got, um, no gingerbread, no gingerbread, ain't you got no candy, ain't you got an extra bed for me and little Andy and little Andy's her puppy, her little puppy. So she, should I ruin what, what the song's about? I think you have to. Yeah. Yeah. She gives her a bed and she tells her story. My mommy's run away again. My daddy's drunk in town. It's just the saddest, darkest thing. And the, she, but she gives the girl a bed and the little girl dies. But the happy ending is so does the puppy. So they're together in heaven. Yep. Jesus. Yeah. But it's a very, very heavy song. And she sings it in this like little tiny girl's voice. She got no And it's really haunting and crazy. Anyway, we got off on it. And she dies in the song. Like Dolly does her death. Ain't she got an extra bit for me? Little. Yeah, Jesus. like she, it it's croaks out, Dolly. and beautiful and sad. Anyway, yeah. I said yeah, I love that song. I, um, I mentioned that song to people, and people are like you, you are making the song. Yeah, <laughs> not. Is there an episode based on <sighs> Mila Landy? No, not no. this. Season. We're just doing the, the greatest hits for now. Um, but the, anyway, I, I just said I love Jolene and I love me and little Andy. And then they called and said, "Would you like to do the Jolene episode?" And I said, "Yes." Yeah. Oh, cow. <laughs> so, and are you? Have you done it already? I just finished shooting the Friday before Thanksgiving, and I haven't even seen the cut yet. And she's in it as well, right? She's not in all the episodes. She's a cameo in one. She sings in another, but she's in Jolene a lot. She's a a central character. So that was fun and and really just an honor to be able to direct her, because I think she's, apart from being a musical genius and a legend, She's a really great actress. Mm-hmm. Like her first movie was Nine to Five. She's yeah. so good in that so movie. Good. Yeah, she's so good in that movie. So um, that was cool. It was cool working with her, but it was just she was she really is just the loveliest person, as lovely as you would hope she is, mm-hmm. and have heard. And um, I just fell in love with her, like anybody would. But one day. Before we started shooting, she said, "Oh wait, your dog's about to get." Oh, sorry, Faye is tangling <laughs> no, herself up in all of the. We're about to have a little Andy. Uh, she came up to me. and Says, "You ever heard of a song called um, Me and Little Andy?'" And I went, I almost started crying. Like you just have no idea how much I love that oh song. Oh my god! And um, so for the rest of the shoot, she called me Little Andy. Oh, <laughs> like wow! Crazy. This is incredible. This is a bucket list experience for sure. I, you know, it was, I wasn't like I ever thought I would work with Dolly Parton. It just kind of happened. And, um, uh, Julianna Huff plays Jolene mm-hmm. and Kimberly Williams is in it and plays this other character who's really the, the protagonist of it. And Dallas Roberts is in it as well. Uh, so it's, it's a really good cast. And, um, I, I think it's going to be really good. I'm very excited about it. It was, it was about everybody involved. It's just the loveliest people, the nicest people. And, um, they, they lavished a lot of attention. Netflix is lavishing a lot of attention and love on this. Yeah. Show. Rightly so. so. It's exciting. Wow. Have you seen Dumplin yet? I have not. Oh. I fully intend to. I'm very excited. I love that Jolene is a song about like a sex supervillain. Right? Like, she's just, like, she's lethally hot, and, like, you can't trust her around your man, because he just couldn't, he wouldn't help himself. Yeah. It's an interesting song, because it's, the you know, the voice, the author is 
a woman, and she's communicating directly to Jolene. And it's a conversation between two women. Do this, not because I hate you or I'm going to cut you or fight you, uh, but because I won't love anybody else ever again. Yeah. Um, it's it's a, listening to it over and over and, and um, hearing the story of it, it made me realize it's a much more complicated song than that. The, the episode also has, well, maybe I shouldn't say, I'm not supposed to say anything about Ooh, it. Oh, boy. It also has another really good song in it. Of okay. Course. Okay. I can't um, wait. Um, well, we'll take a little break and we'll be back with Andy Fleming. Yeah. Pins, pins, pins. Now, this is one of my favorite things about this moment right now. I'm on them right now. I'm on I'm on pins. Oh, yeah? And needles. Oh. To hear about this ad. Okay. Well, you know how like people have like pins on their, perhaps on their denim jacket, yeah. maybe on their satchel, sure. that kind of thing? Yeah. An ice cream cone. Uh, a picture of uh, Patty Lapone's face. Uh, you know, things like that. I want all of them. Sure, of course. Uh, Wizard Pins is an easy way for you to create custom pins with your logo or design. You upload your design, and then Wizard Pins will send you a free virtual mock-up of your pin. They'll work with any design. Hand-drawn sketches, professional design files, from the, the, the very commonplace to the very fancy. They can uh, provide unlimited art revisions until you are satisfied. And awesome. Wizard Pins, I'm sorry to, no, to no, no. interrupt, but I'm just putting it together that they could actually create pins of any size or shape for any occasion. You're starting to catch on, Matt. To Wizard Pins. All the pricing is listed clearly on their site. No waiting for a quote. No hassle. No hidden fees. Wizard Pins offers free shipping and the fastest turnaround in the industry. Some items can be made in as little as two days. I hear tell that Wizard Pins is perfect for small or large businesses, nonprofits, armed forces, professional organizations, and more. They also make custom challenge coins and keychains and race medals. So, like, if you have a business or an armed force, use Wizard Pins. Or if you're just somebody who wants, say, I don't know, a dozen Jennifer Aniston pins to, to wear put onto your jean jacket. All in a row? Yeah. Across the shoulder blade? What a great idea. Head to wizardpins.com and enter code HOMO to get 20% off your first order. That's code HOMO for 20% off your first order at wizardpins.com. It's the holiday season. It sure is. It's the most wonderful time of the year. And here at Earwolf, we just want to spread some cheer or cheerwolf, if you will. Even if you won't. Even if you choose not to. It's there for you. Andrew T. and Tawny Newsom talk to Kulop, the <gasps> great Kulop Velisak, about uh, holiday racism on Yo! Is This Racist? And then over on Unspooled, uh, you can take a deep dive into AFI's favorite Christmas movie, It's a Wonderful Life. Uh, off book has not one, not two, but three holiday-themed musicals for you to indulge in. Oh, baby, baby. And surprise, all of the special holiday episodes of With Special Guest are out from behind the paywall as a gift to you. Happy holidays. Uh, check out a very special Improv for Humans episode, The Best of the Bible. On Are You Talking R.E.M. Me, the Scots talk about every R.E.M. holiday single released and nothing else. Uh-huh. Sean and Hayes hit the slopes with Adam Pally on a very festive episode of Hollywood Handbook. And then on Beautiful Anonymous, Chris Gethard is taking calls for New Year's resolutions from you. Tune in on Earwolf's Facebook page December 21st at 2 p.m. Eastern. Mm-hmm. I'm going to be uh, one of those uh, uh, holiday New Year's resolutions. Oh, people. baby, baby. Still haven't figured out what it's going to be. Marissa and Lister get a special listener call in with a heartfelt proposal on Womp It Up, followed by the Christmas Womptacular, released from beyond the paywall. 
That's right, beyond the paywall. Beyond the paywall. And if that's not enough, check out even more special holiday apps from Comedy Bang Bang and How Did This Get Made and Getting Curious and Who Chartered and Freedom. Happy holidays and merry cheer wolf to all. And we're back with Andy Fleming. Hey. Hi. <laughs> so what is your um, current relationship status? I'm single and seeing uh, someone um, and very, very happy with him and oh. um, uh, feeling very good about the relationship. Okay. You say single, but also seeing someone, meaning it's- Oh, I'm not married. Right. Okay. Um, but is this person a have boyfriend? But he's my boyfriend. We, okay. Yes. Oh. I don't know why I said I'm- You know what? Because I, I'm not married. I think that's why. Right. But I'm seeing it. And I'm his boyfriend and he's my boyfriend. And um, uh, I I was in a, a relationship that lasted 23 years. Wow. Ended about four and a half years ago. Very chaotically- um, and then I was seeing some, and, and that was with a, a gentleman, a lovely gentleman who, and with whom I'm still friends and we share custody of a corgi and, uh, oh I helped raise his son. So we're, we're, we're family. We will always be family. Um, but after that, uh, came undone, I dated somebody who was, Less than half my age. Oh boy! Great. And, and there was just a lot of different things happening, and <laughs> turns out social media can really destroy a relationship. Um, and uh, how do you mean? <laughs> things can get really complicated. If somebody posts a picture of you somewhere, then somebody can look at that picture and say, "Wait, you're there, not there," and um, it has repercussions. And then sometimes people that you dated briefly send that picture to somebody else and life can get really complicated in yeah. the modern age. Um, but I think I was living a life where I was putting all sorts of things in different boxes and telling this person that thing and another person another thing. And um, it got extremely complicated. And since then, since I started dating the man that I'm with now, I've actually learned it's better to tell everybody one thing and to kind of be one person and have one truth and um, it's less stressful because my job's already stressful enough. Yeah, But uh, it was, my life really was like a telenovela briefly. And is um, that, was that caused by this like pattern of like kind of being different, a different person yes, to different people? Yes. Well, cheating and lying and things like that of, of being duplicitous and um yes uh and i knew it would come crashing down and in fact i was about to kind of make a change and then somebody acted uh for me and brought it all kind of crumbling down um oh yeah but i mean sometimes it's good when things come crumbling down yeah Sometimes you got to tear it down, tear something down to build something beautiful. And um, so we're now in the rebuilding phase, but it's yes. rebuilding has moved along. It's been, quite it, nice things now. have been rebuilt. Things are very good. Yeah. Um, and he's he's the first person that I've dated who is. We have the same. We're, we're of the same generation. We have the same 
pop culture references and he's the person that I say I'm best friends with that I've dated. Mm-hmm. Um, and I actually can just spend time with him doing nothing, which is something I don't think I was able to do before. Not, I think because of my choice of partner, but also because of who I was. Um, so he's, he's a magnificent guy. Um, how did you meet? We met through friends uh, who said, you two should meet. Um, but, uh, yeah. <laughs> was it a bl- like a blind date or you met it in a social gathering? Um, yes, yes, basically. Uh, we, were, we just had a date, yeah. Okay. And we, we, we had kind of non-dates, a couple of non-dates. We what? hooked up a couple of times. Oh, I see. Got okay. it. And then one time we just said, you know what? What's your name? Um, <laughs> sorry. I, maybe I shouldn't have. No, this, no, this is, is the exact right. space. This is the exact right place. <laughs> this is how all Nobody's beautiful listening. love stories begin. Yeah. yeah. But it sounds like you weren't a dater before. You were in a, a long, long-term relationship. Yes. And then kind of in another one. No, and when it happened, I was at liberty. Um or was I? You know what? It's all very confusing. I've got I've got it all written down somewhere. <laughs> I, I, I in the midst of all of the turmoil, I'm having lunch with a producer, a guy who runs a TV show, and I was catching him up, and he stopped. And he says, "You've got a lot of material." Yeah. <laughs> I was like, "Oh, that's one way of looking at it." It's true. Um, yeah. Would you use it that way? No, but I mean, I know that it's informing things I'm working on now. Uh, but I, I've always written from my own experience, even something like The Craft. Like, I, I was a very personal movie. I incorporated a lot of things that had happened to me into that, or, or things that I saw happening. But, like you're dabbling in the dark arts? Or? <laughs> no. No, no, no. The high school part. Right. The social part. Um. If you want to use these experiences for, say, threesome two, <laughs> sixsome, foursome, sixsome, um, I have some pitches. We'll come back to that. But. Well, I don't, I don't, I don't know if you've gotten that far into insatiable, or if anybody has. But I'm there, all the way in. There's uh, some, there's some multiple sex partner scenes, and I, I remember driving to the set, thinking like, "What am I going to say? Everybody's going to be feel awkward and nervous and these things." Because if it's it's awkward enough if there's two people in a sex scene, but if there are three, it mm-hmm. becomes another fifty, a hundred percent, maybe two hundred percent more awkward. But so I decided to just say, talk about, you know, what it's like to have a three way, and um, <laughs> you know, they can go either way. They can be really awkward, and somebody feels left out, and it ends up causing friction, or it can be transcendent, and and it's better than sex it's like sex times two or three and it's it's a magical experience and everybody grows from it and i said this scene has to be like that yeah. and and then i looked around and everybody's i thought like maybe i've overshared once again <laughs> for the listener how do you make it the transcendent experience in real life or in real life i really uh it's there's no recipe you know sure if, if i knew that i i would market that how to have a fantastic threesome by the way maybe maybe i should 
think about that. Start a workshop or something. Yeah. Um, I mean, there has to be chemistry, right? You can't have a thing where two people want to discard the other one. You know what? It, it you, you you have to set clear parameters ahead of time emotionally. Like uh-huh. this is just this is what this is, and if one, if two of the people are a couple, you need to state to the third person we're a couple and these are our rules. Um, I. I don't know. I, I, I really have to think about it. But there's a fair amount of just magic involved. Um, sure. I think one of the more memorable threesomes, as long as we're just sharing, why not? Sure. Yes, yes. Happened just willy-nilly off the cuff and was really magical. And the ones that sometimes you plan ahead for a while and um, look forward to the don't work out. They don't work out. I don't want to make it sound like I'm the guy that has threesomes on a daily basis. <laughs> Own it, man. Yeah. I mean, I guess. I don't know. I mean, I don't know how the average person, how many threesomes they have. That's a, We should start asking that. That should become yeah. a regular question in yeah. this segment of the show, The reader's actually. poll question. Yeah. It does come up a lot if you make a movie called Threesome. It yeah. just pretty much comes yeah. up. That uh, I had the poster for that movie up in my office in my very first job after uh, college. And I did. Okay. I wasn't thinking. I wasn't quite out yet, but people kind of knew yeah. because I had a poster for the movie Threesome. Yeah. I had the poster in my bedroom through high school. Wow, wow! I, mean, I have real guy. I have the French version, which is really large, and they, it is much more beautiful than the American version, as you would imagine. And in France, they called the movie um, "Deux garçons, une fille, trois possibilités." Oh, <laughs> that was the tagline. Isn't yeah, it? yeah. Yes, a mouthful. Right? Yeah. Yes. Yes, I love it. What's your personal relationship with Stephen Baldwin like now? I haven't seen him in a long time. I I run into Josh uh, here and there, but I have not seen Stephen in a very long time. Is it too on the nose if Alex has a grown child? Should they reunite? Which of them (laughs) is the father? Anyway, that's my pitch for threesome two. Alex, of course, played by Lara Lara Boyle. Boyle. Yeah, I don't know. It hasn't really come up. The idea of threesome. Uh, people aren't begging for this. <laughs> no. You're the first, basically. I'll be there on opening night. If I'm the only one, that's my hell. No. Homophilia Movie Club will meet there for the premiere. Big time. Mm-hmm. Um, so how long have you been with current boyfriend? Uh, about three years. Oh, wow. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah. So this is not some n- new. Are we cohabitating? No, well, but um, I I live between two houses, so we spend the weekends together at a, a place out of town, mm. and I'm gone a lot. Right. I go places for long periods of time, but he's been very good about coming to visit, um, and, uh, and we spend a lot of time together. Okay. That's good. Just, Just adding, working. adding these years up, it doesn't sound like there's a lot of single time in between. Do no, there hasn't go from been one any to single time. Another? No. No, I mean there was there was right after college there was this uh, really sad era of nothingness. <laughs> but it was you know it was the AIDS era, and I was terrified emotionally and physically of everything, and I was burying myself in my work. Um, but I didn't realize that actually, if you have a happy emotional life that your work is better for it mm. because you're you're not sitting home sorry you're single. Yeah. 
Oh, where was the post-college heavy work period located? Was that New York? In L.A. Uh-huh. Because um, I, I went to school in New York, and I came back to L.A. and did a movie right after college. But then there was this fallow period, the early 90s, before Threesome, where I didn't work, and I didn't date, and it was sad. It was a sad era. But... Um, I kind of figured things out in that era. I actually, I went to acting class, uh, not to become an actor, but to kind of get into that headspace. And threesome grew out of an exercise in acting class. Oh, wow. What was the exercise? It was just, you had to establish a relationship. It was it was the Meisner technique. So you're, it was, they're all variations on a theme where you're just bouncing an impulse back and forth. But... The woman I was doing the exercise with, she she decided she would be in love with me, and I, I decided that we weren't partners, and that and it triggered this kind of flashback to something in college, and uh, I thought that relationship's really funny and interesting, and it reminded me of this kind of three way dynamic, and I said I should write about that. Yeah. So were you out in college? Um, I was out to my friends and family, uh, so yes. Um, and then I directed a movie when I was very young, 24, and I did press, and it just didn't come up. And so I didn't come out. But when I did Threesome, um, the narrator, the protagonist, is gay. And um, I remember I did a little bit of press, and then one day the New York Times called up and said, uh, you're in for me? Did you direct threesome? Yes. Are you gay? Yes. Thank you. We're from yeah. the fact from the fact checking department. <laughs> uh-huh. And I was like, well, "What was that?" And I realized, you realized, oh, that was coming out because they referred <laughs> to me as being gay there uh-huh. in in the paper. Um, and it was a long time ago, and uh, and somebody had told me that you know that was kind of a rarity in Hollywood at that point. Yeah, that there weren't any out gay directors in Hollywood at that point. It was like Todd Solondz was and. Um, no, uh, not Todd Solis, Todd, uh, Todd Haynes, Haynes. Mm-hmm. and Greg Araki. I don't know what Todd Solis is. He, I went to school with him. Really? Yeah, I don't. I don't know. I don't know his sexuality. I'm sorry. Okay, spoke there. <laughs> you heard it here. <laughs> Todd Solis. I is don't gay. know that. I would just my togs. <laughs> but would um, people ask at the beginning? No, no. I, it was impolite, and um, and also I I wasn't dating anybody. I wasn't doing anything, so I didn't feel particularly gay, and I dated girls in college, too. So I really, uh, I was leaning gay, but I just, I didn't, I wasn't down any path, and then I met uh, somebody and started seeing him, and then, and then while I was doing threesome, and um, he was, the, the man I ended up spending 24 years with, and he was an executive in Hollywood, and um so we both had to kind of come out. We were kind of the public face of gay couples. Wow. The only ones like that for a long time. I didn't I didn't really know anybody like that growing up, except, strangely, Christopher Isherwood and Don Backerty. I met them a couple of times because Christopher Isherwood was a friend of my uh of my father's girlfriend, who was a Vedantist like he was, and I knew who he was and but they were like a gay, a public gay couple. Christopher Isherwood and Don Backerty, the artist, were a public couple mm-hmm. in L.A. in the 70s. 
And nobody was like that. There were no gay, public gay couples. They would be like uh, a confirmed bachelor and his longtime companion. Yeah. But they were very open and out about it. And and were you, was, was being a public gay couple uh, something that you guys were able to make work? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I mean we, we weren't that, it wasn't like we were that famous, but um, everybody knew we were a couple and nobody had a problem with it and it, it seems so commonplace now because you know so many couples who are yeah. married and things like that but it, we, we were kind of the freaks at that point uh, but we were both very social and affable people and through dinner parties and would get invited places and nobody had a problem yeah um, so can you talk about how that ended I mean um, only in so much as you're comfortable I mean, the, the, the truth is you know, we we were a good couple for a very long time, and um, we still care about each other immensely. And um, I think we just kind of grew apart and needed different things. It sounds cliche, but that's really the bottom line. You know, um, we both reasoned through it and realized we both needed something else. So it wasn't one person pulling away. No, or no. I mean, I'm, I, I really don't want to go through the beat yeah, by beat no. of it. Yeah, but, yeah. But, but there was a kind of dramatic eruption, and then we spent time together, and we 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 spent a lot of time talking, and we had professional help, and we went through it, and, and came to a mutual decision: we should we should move on. It was you know painful, but I think we're both better off, and I think we're both better off for having been together you know it's as a friend of mine said you know that's not a failed relationship that's a success yeah um, yeah when when you know we were celebrating our 20th anniversary together everybody that we had at that party had been divorced or had broken up or moved on and people kept saying you know you're the inspiration and and i think part of it was we felt that like responsibility to be together because people loved being around us together. Um, but uh, yeah. And was it hard to um, become friends afterward? Um, no, we both we both just wanted. To, we didn't want to be angry people. We didn't want to delve into the ugliness yeah we'd, we'd worked through our issues and we just for many many reasons didn't want to be mean to each other right you consciously uncoupled in the end <laughs> a trailblazer yeah i had talked to gwyneth about it and she stole all my ideas <laughs> <laughs> you keep inspiring couples everywhere you go <laughs> to, to break up is that what you mean <laughs> Has, did being in a 23-year relationship, how did that affect your uh, um, your ideas about, like, monogamy and long-term relationships um, in terms of the one you're in now? Uh, it may be related to not everybody has to be monogamous. And, um, uh, yeah. <laughs> and that, sometimes that's the key to, to making it work. Yeah, and that that isn't the most important thing. It's being there emotionally um that's what you know a relationship is about being there for their partner not 
rules. Yeah. Is marriage a, a goal for you? Yeah, I'd, I'd like to. Um, I'd like to be married at some point, but it's it's not the main thing. It's not. It's not. I don't need that. But um, it's nice that it's there. I, I the the most disillusioning period of my life began that night Barack Obama was elected, which is a beautiful thing. But the the night Proposition Eight passed was a, it, it was yeah. it was it was such a horrible night for me because it was the most politically engaged I'd ever gotten because um, everybody was kind of in denial about it. They're like, well, that'll never pass. This is California. And a couple of Politico friends of mine had said, you know, this may very well pass if you can do anything to help mobilize people. And I, I tried, but it was very, it was just very disillusioning, but it turned everything around. Yeah. in this state and made everybody kind of wake up. Um, so I'm glad that, it, the, you know, the flip side of it was the day the Supreme Court said everybody can get married. What if Josh Charles is getting married, yeah, Alex and Stephen Baldwin are coming and they're married, but their relationship is kind of like getting boring and they're like, how about one? No? Any, any of this let sparking? Me, let me just <laughs> pray on it. <laughs> um, Andy, thank what? you so much That's for being so here. much. This uh, this was a bucket list moment for us. No, it was. It yes, was. truly. Well, for me, it's much less expensive than therapy. <laughs> That's the way I feel. Right? I really regret a number of things I've said. No, well, no, we'll be fine. And come back anytime if you need really? to burden yourself with anything. Really? Okay. There's yeah. more. There's believe me. There's more. This time next week, then. Yes. Does that work for you? All right. Excellent. Thank you. Thank so you so much. much. I'm going to go back and watch threesome again for the millionth time. Yes, I'm going to continue working on uh, Foursome or oh, Threesome yeah. 2. Uh-huh. Uh, you know, we're still brainstorming titles and sure, concepts. Sure, sure, sure. But Lara Flynn Boyle is Tech of Ale. Oh, I love that. I thought you were going to say you were going to get to work on some spells and, uh, and oh, potions. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's it. That's yeah. it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I got to do one project at a time, though, Dave. No, I understand. I, understand. I appreciate that. Uh, folks, Andy Fleming. Yes. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Uh, and thank you, everybody. Earwolf, thank mm-hmm. you, Dana. Thank you, Ryan. Thank you, Colin. Thank you, Matt. Thank you, Ben Wise, for the music. Thank you, Matt. Thank you, Dave. Thank you, listeners. Happy, Happy New Year. Hey, this is Arnie Niekamp from the Improv Fantasy Podcast, Hello from the Magic Tavern. I fell through a dimensional portal behind a Burger King in Chicago into the magical land of Foon, and I started a podcast. Season 3 has just begun with a brand new adventure to defeat the Dark Lord. If you're a new listener or you've fallen behind, Season 3 is a great jumping on point. And we've got great guests like Justin McElroy. I sound like a fancy college professor. Eight nights. <laughs> 
Rachel Bloom. You all see my collection of men corpses and one woman. Felicia Day and Colton Dunn. You've seen <coughs> me have intercourse with a variety of species. It's a bummer. Andy Daly. You have the members of Genesis listed, but Phil Collins yeah. has crossed out and then circled and crossed out again. Uh, yes, I have killed Phil Collins twice. Thomas Middleditch. <laughs> Oh, Jesus! I mean, Jazos! <laughs> ruler of the Eighth Circle! And that's just the beginning. Season 3 of Hello from the Magic Tavern is out now. Listen in Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.